Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm Tara Lynn. In 2011, the North Carolina State Board of Education formed a task force on global education to assess the state's effort to produce globally competitive graduates ready to live, work, and contribute in an interconnected world. Thanks to their work, the state signed a series of global commitments to ensure that every public school student graduates fully prepared for the world and has taken action to provide statewide infrastructure that supports and guides educators in a common vision for global education for North Carolina's public schools. Today, we will hear about how North Carolina continues to work towards these big goals and how one method, dual language programs, is taking shape across our state and preparing our children to work and compete in a global marketplace. Before we tackle our main topics, we open with headlines, our quick scan of education headlines across North Carolina and the U.S. Here's a little known fact. North Carolina teachers must pay $50 a day for a substitute teacher when they use one of their two personal leave days that they are afforded each year. Teachers do get 10 days of sick leave for which they are not charged to hire substitutes. But after 20 days of extended sick leave, teachers must also begin to pay for substitute teachers. That is, unless healthy teachers donate their banked sick leave. North Carolina is the only state in the nation to charge teachers for substitutes when they take their personal days. And teachers say that this policy is an insult to the profession. Governor Cooper agrees and says he put in his budget proposal language that would require the state to pay when a substitute is needed. With a goal to bring the digital age into high-poverty school districts, UNCG received a $6.1 million grant from the U.S. Department of Education. That's to create the Piedmont Teacher Residency Partnership, which will help place 80 new teachers over the next four years into rural schools in Rockingham and Surrey counties. The teachers will be trained in computational literacy and graduate from the program with a Master of Arts and Teaching degrees. The North Carolina Department of Public Instruction Center for Safer Schools has been awarded a grant funded by the U.S. Department of Justice totaling about a million dollars. The Center for Safer Schools will work with partner organizations, including RTI International, to assess local district needs and offer training and support to improve school safety. Remember, you can visit the Public School Forum's website at ncforum.org, click Education Matters, and read more about each of the headlines as well as some of the other topics that we cover each week. Well, as I mentioned at the top of the show today, we will take a look at North Carolina's efforts towards preparing students for a global workplace and hear specifically about how dual language programs are one critical tool that is being deployed here in North Carolina in schools across the state. Now, for our first segment, I would like to introduce, we have Bill Harrison, Chair Chairman Emeritus of the North Carolina State Board of Education, as well as David Young, CEO of Participate Learning. Thank you both so much for coming to the show. It's great to be Thank with you. you. Yeah, I appreciate well, uh, Bill, I know uh, with the State Board of Education during your time there on the board, you were very instrumental in helping push forward North Carolina to include more of these global initiatives. Can you talk a little bit about uh, how much of a push uh, that was? It wasn't much of a push because we actually had quite a bit going on across the state of North Carolina with regards to global education. Uh, we had immersion programs just beginning to gain some traction across the state. We had some schools that were adopting uh, a global platform uh, to teach kids through a global lens. Uh, the state board had a relationship with the Jiangsu province. 
And what we wanted to do was how can we become intentional and strategic about that? And so we put together a task force. We had five board members. We relied on people from the university, from the Department of Public Instruction, from the schools. They worked for two years and came up with five commitments around um, providing cutting edge support and tools for teachers to teach through a global lens, to uh, look at how we're delivering world language instruction, uh, to uh, support new models of schools, uh, to develop a network for global schools, global school systems, and provide some type of recognition. And the final was to be strategic about developing international partnerships. And you know, six years later, uh, still moving in that direction. I feel really good about that, proud of that. Good. That, I was going to ask you, how do you feel You know, now that uh, we've had some time um, under our belt? And David, uh, your uh, group, Participate Learning, you guys partner with schools to help strengthen some of the global awareness and provide those opportunities, part of which is dual language programs. Right. Now, for some of the parents, um, like me, who, you know, back, you had maybe that one half hour where you got to take a foreign language in high school. When we talk about the dual language, what exactly does that mean for these students? Right, right. So we've, we've spent 32 years as an organization dedicated to an idea that global education is for all students and not just the lucky few. Too often uh, we see it privatized or magnetized or it's just a higher ed. And our question was like, why, why, if this is what it means to be well educated, why aren't we doing this at K through 12? And so we established uh, the organization to try to provide these kinds of programs to students, um, starting with international exchange teachers, much like universities have visiting professors across the country. We thought, well, it seems like it would make sense to have some cultural role models in our public schools. So we started there, and that led us down the path of, of thinking about language programs. And uh, very typically, you would have an international teacher in a language program. You need bilingual teachers, and obviously that makes sense. And so that was a good place to start. But what we realized is that our traditional language programs were not really generating proficiency gains, so kids weren't really learning to speak the language. And like we talked earlier, three year, we all take three years of X and can't speak a word. We can and maybe get by with Ola and Gracias, right? right? <laughs> and you might still put it on your resume, but you, know, you don't really speak it. And so uh, we started down this path of looking at dual language immersion as the, the sort of intensive methodology that could be used to truly develop proficiency in the students. So for example, I would not, as a teacher of dual language, I would not teach you Spanish. I would teach you math, science, social studies, reading in Spanish. And that's an entirely different methodology that has very different outcomes for kids. And what are we seeing? Um, you know, as you mentioned, again, for most of us, when we were in school, you know, we can maybe get by with a few words. What yeah. are we seeing for these students who have been able to be in these programs um, once they go on and get a little bit older? Right, so I mean, you're gonna see incredible comprehension, you're gonna see uh, excellent proficiency in speaking the language. Um, uh, a very quick story, we had second graders in, in Iredell Statesville a few years back take on the uh, seniors in uh, AP Spanish in a comprehension, a reading, and a writing test, and they blew them away. They like doubled their score. And so dual language is going to develop true language skills. But what we didn't know when we started these programs is we didn't know that you'd also get great uh, outcomes on tests. And so we're seeing reading scores and math scores just go through the roof with these kids. Um, and it's pretty amazing because it, it applies to every demographic and every situation. It's rural, urban, uh, suburban. It works everywhere and with every subgroup. So African Americans do well, Hispanic students do well, white kids do well, and it, it's just unbelievable. And Bill, I know you have you've spent time in the classroom. You've been a superintendent. You have served on the state board of education. Uh, what have you? What does 
what do these programs essentially offer our students, um, not just in the classroom, but once they go on to graduate? Well, I, I think it's just an incredible opportunity. Uh, they're going to be well positioned uh, when they graduate from high school, when they graduate from college, when they go out into the, to the job market. I think we, you also see them develop some what I call habits or discipline around learning. Uh, it's, it's amazing to walk into a, a kindergarten class and the students are sitting on the carpet doing the same things that all the kindergarten classes are doing, except these youngsters pay attention to the teacher 100% because they don't understand the language on that first day, first week of school. Um, so I think they develop some, um, some discipline, some habits, uh, along with um, the ability to learn uh, that, that second language. And, you know, one of the things that we were doing in Alabama County, uh, our, our first cohort is now in the ninth grade. And we wanted to see, you know, what's available for them in the ninth grade. We developed a partnership with Alamance Community College that these students will be certified and licensed as interpreters. We're having conversations with Elon University about possibly finding a venue for these students to become licensed as dual language teachers, and hopefully some of them will come home and, and teach. And uh, as being one of the, the people who were part of that first push uh, for some of these programs in North Carolina, what do you think is maybe going to be the biggest challenge moving forward? Well, I think finding teachers. Uh, as these programs scale, uh, we're dependent solely on, on international teachers. And um, every year when schools add grades, when, when schools are added, so I think we're going to reach a point, and that was part of the global commitments that the state board had, is working with our institutions of higher education to train some of our people to be um, dual language teachers. But I see that as, uh, as being a challenge we're going to face at some point. And uh, David, we've got about one more minute. I know in North Carolina more than 200,000 workers are employed by foreign-owned firms. Um, I think most of us realize, obviously, just sort of based on where we are located and the population makeup of North Carolina, the importance of learning Spanish. But Mandarin mm -hmm. has really emerged. And uh, what I guess, why, why that versus German or French or yeah, uh, another language? I mean, I think everybody sees the importance of China, obviously, and, and parents are, are reacting to that and demanding more Mandarin options. Um, I think in general, uh, you know, international education or global education used to be about uh, folks that were going to go do business over there and travel and go live abroad and it was kind of a small group of people mm -hmm. probably. Now you walk out of your door and you live in a global community every single day, every place. Uh, you can be in Yancey County, you can be in Dare County, you can be in Robinson County and it's a, it's a global environment. That's just uh, what our country is, is, has become and will stay. And of course, uh, yeah, as you said, with the with the internet, of course, you can uh, be here in North Carolina and having meetings with uh, you know your boss who is uh, halfway across the world. So I'm certainly excited to see how many more of these students um, you know continue to progress and where we go with North Carolina. Thank you for being with us. Right. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Well, after a brief commercial break, we will be back to continue our discussion with a principal and a parent who are experiencing firsthand the power of dual language programs. But first, see if you can answer this question. What percentage of Americans are proficient in a foreign language that they studied in U.S. classrooms? See if you can guess the answer. We'll have it when we come back. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Paragon Bank, serving others, enriching lives. Welcome back to Education Matters. Well, did you correctly answer 
A, less than 1% of Americans are proficient in a language that they studied in U.S. classrooms. This is especially noteworthy because the vast majority of high schools in the country, more than 93% offer foreign languages, prompting some educators to think about integrating those languages across the curriculum instead of just making them supplemental offerings. Well, joining us now, we have Jack DeVerne, a principal at Elon Elementary School in Burlington, as well as Ann Maley, a parent uh, with students at Jefferson Rove Magnet Elementary School here in Raleigh. Thank you guys both so much for being with us. Absolutely. Now, Jack, I know, uh, so you are a principal at Elon Elementary School in Burlington, and you guys have a program that is specifically full immersion Spanish, which has actually been in existence now for 11 years. Tell me about, you know, what it was like maybe when this was first getting started, because I'm, I'm sure it was a very new thing. It was very new, and actually I was not there at the uh, onset of the program. I've been uh, principal at Elon for nine years, so we, it, it began and it, and it continued to grow. So those students are now juniors in high school. Uh, there were challenges along the way, as, especially as we matriculated throughout, but now that we're a fully running program, it's just, it's just part of who we are. And exactly how does the program work in terms of students if they want to be in the immersion program? Um, is this every single classroom at the school? How, how exactly does it work? So there's a cohort group at our school. So and it begins in kindergarten. Those students uh, stay together and they follow um, each year together and they progress through the program at each grade level. It's open to all of our uh, families in, that are in our zone. Um, there are opportunities for those that if they have an approved transfer, they can come in. Um, so the application process is just open. And if we have more applicants than seats, then we, we revert to a, a lottery process. So. All right, and Anne, I know that you are a parent. You have uh, three children, and uh, your oldest, I believe you uh, had said, was one of the first to start in the immersion program at Jeffrey Grove Magnet. Mm -hmm. uh, tell me how this, how you have seen your children be able to, to embrace this Spanish immersion program. Well, I think because all three of my children started with Spanish immersion, school to them is just Spanish immersion. It's not, they don't have anything to compare it to. They didn't do kindergarten and English and then transfer into Spanish. So for them, their teachers speak Spanish to them, but everything else is as a regular school day would be for a child in seventh, fifth, and third grade. So um, for, them, for them, it has not really changed much, their idea of school. It's just what it is. And why did you elect to put them in a program like this? Well, when you think about what you want to give your children, you certainly want to give them opportunities to grow and to become able-bodied citizens in our country. And if you look at the way our country and our world is operating, the world is getting smaller and the ability to communicate beyond just our own community has um, really flourished. And so. I don't speak Spanish, my husband doesn't speak Spanish, so this is an ability for our children to have this language that we could not offer them. And so for us, it was just very smart. And then they also presented the data, which if I want my child to have the absolute best education, this is an opportunity to get that with um, just this whole way to trigger parts of the brain to, to work and understand math and science at a deeper level than just the regular uh, programs that are typically offered. And Jack, as a principal, what are some of the, the main questions or hesitations that parents might have before uh, enrolling their child in a program right. like this? 
Well, it's a great question, um, and each year it has its own set of questions, which you probably are aware of. However, at kindergarten, it's, um, the interest is already driving it. They want to know, well, how do we support it, and what does it mean? Like, uh, what does homework look like? What if I don't speak Spanish? And, you know, so we, we see those types of questions, and we naturally help them with that, uh, with the supports, and we, we guide them. We're, you know, really attentive to parent needs through parent meetings, update sessions. Uh, when the data, when they start doing the state assessments, and so we meet with parents and we, we explain them through it and we kind of keep them um, informed along the way. And yeah. is there some extra training or offerings for parents? I know, uh, you know, my daughter's a kindergartner this year and we were looking at, okay, I know she's going to learn Spanish, she's also going to learn Mandarin, but uh, how am I supposed to help her if, you know, if, I, if we can't speak the language? What can parents do if they're interested but they might have that um, hesitancy? Right. So our program uh, is not a standalone and they're not in isolation, the teachers. So at uh, weekly planning, like for example, in kindergarten, there's six teachers on the grade level. They plan collaboratively because it's standards focused. And uh, so they have a sharing of resources. So we are able to provide parents with resources uh, to help them at home um, with English and reading and um, building their um, ability and literacy skills. We also have parent nights and we've had them led by parents and come in, here's how I help my child. Uh, we have many parents that have had um, siblings in the program and, um, and they, like, I think you're one at your school, you mentioned before that um, you step up and like, I'll lead a parent night, I'll be glad to. So I think giving them the resources and the tools is a, is a big part that we, we take time to do. And Anne, what would your advice be for other parents who, I mean, do the kids have conversations at dinner in, you know, no, in Spanish? they don't at all. They don't, yeah. uh, maybe some children do in the program. My children do not. Um, in fact, you know, to them, sometimes school is Spanish. But we're starting to, to go out and, and try um, to encourage it a little more. Um, but yet, you know, parents always, the first thing is, how do I help with homework? And the way we do it is the same way you would always help with homework. What are the directions? What is your teacher asking you to do? Have you looked at this yet? So it's not, the language doesn't create a barrier for me, even though I don't know the language. Um, but what it does is offer me the chance to allow my child to be independent in doing their homework and me still guide a little bit. Um, so it really works well for us. And, um, and, you know, going back to that independence component, our children have not only had to understand um, that there's a different language and, and all that comes with that, but they've had to understand how to ask for help, how to struggle and understand that challenges are okay and they're actually important for growing into um, a, a good student. and. Um, we see that come with it too. So if I were to tell a parent, I'd say this is a wonderful opportunity to engage your children in an academic um, process that does so much more than just create mm -hmm. a language for them to speak. It, it just is, creates a whole mm -hmm. student and um, we've really been impressed with that. I know we're seeing, of course, a lot of the global education topics uh, being incorporated in all schools across North Carolina. And um, for you, Jack, I know that you guys have earned a, uh, a Global Educator Digital Badge. Um, That's right. Tell us a little bit, how, how do you get that designation for your school? Well, it's quite interesting. Um, as we began with an immersion program, we, re we really felt that there was something else missing because you had a cohort. So as I mentioned, we have six on teachers on a grade level. What kind of global experience were the other students getting? 
So um, we explored and we did research. So six years ago, we began our global program. Um, uh, came with <clears throat> lots of professional development, and we've um, obtained that through Participate, our partner. And teachers engaged in um, training modules to build their level of global competence. Um, parallel with that, the state of North Carolina has developed a, a process, a pathway for teachers to earn uh, their Global Educator Digital Badge. Um, I'm really proud of the teachers at Elon Elementary because we hit it full force. Yeah. <laughs> and we have a significant number of teachers who've earned that. Um, and they have to create a unit and it, and it models and embeds global competency matched with state standards. So uh, it's pretty rigorous. It's some exciting yeah. times. And I know courses, as my kindergartner is going to be go, mm -hmm. rising through the ranks. Um, it's exciting to see uh, more about what North Carolina is doing inside the classroom to yes. prepare our students for a global world. Thank you guys so much both yeah. for being with us. Thank Absolutely. You. Yes. All right. After this break, we will have this week's final word. often North Carolina makes headlines for failing to invest in its public schools. So you might be surprised to learn that this time we have good news. North Carolina is a leader in global education. Our global commitments represent a unique statewide initiative that was adopted by the Partnership for 21st Century Learning as a national framework for investing in the support and vision necessary to prepare our students for a global workplace. To close out this week's show, let's take a look at how dual language immersion and global Global education programs are soaring at Unionville Elementary School. The teachers are amazing. They go up to the car rider line and they're greeting the kids in Spanish at lunchtime, whether they're in the bilingual program or not. Everybody's picking up on bits of Spanish and questioning other cultures and wanting to learn more just on their influence at our school. Cesta, ¿saben lo que es la cesta? Es donde ponemos cosas. Es como, sí, muy bien. What I noticed is how the children became much more engaged. They became as well more empathetic around the situations of different people. And the more that you bring stuff with, say, global, and the children became much more aware, and they want to know, and they will go home, and they will come and talk, and the amount of emails that sometimes you get back saying, oh, Miss Iglesias, you've been talking about Malawi, they love that. So for the parents, it's very revolting when, when you touch a little bit of something from different cultures, and the children became much more inquisitive. They really want to know and find out. The teachers are commenting on the rigor in the classroom, the level of respect, kids' articulation. They can really tell that they're at that advantage with their vocabulary development and fluency. I notice how they thinking. It becomes fast as well because they have to think in a different language. And sometimes you don't know the word. And sometimes I say, well, if you don't know that word, you're going to need to find out another word that you can use in that sentence. Let's learn the information primero, vale? If you come to my classes, visuals everywhere because they need it. They need the reference to be able to develop the writing, for example, to be able to develop the talking. But it helps them with the problem solving in the sense that they have to think if they don't know the word or oh, which word it was. Or oh, let's go and see. I need to go to to the word and look. And so they became better thinkers. They became, I think, better writers, no doubt, because for us teaching Spanish, the writing is very important, and they are better at problem solving. The students of the bilingual program absolutely 
love every minute of it. They have grown in their self-confidence. They're so excited they can do things that others can't do. In some instances, we've used them to help translate to our non-English speaking parents that have come into the office. They're just really proud of everything that they've accomplished. They're risk takers. I just can't say enough about the students and how excited they are to show off all that they've learned. That is it for this week's show. Thank you so much for watching. We will see you next week.